Do you have a name? Well, yes. The podcast is called Waiting for What? I like it. <laughs> it's good. I'm like, I... <laughs> Waiting for what? what? Exactly. Why did, I, why did I wait for this? <laughs> That's exactly it. I'm... Right. So I'm excited to dive into the next portion of the book that addressed engagement. And the chapter that I wrote for this was full of stories of um, the women that I spoke to. And it was so great to go back and remember those conversations and those sweet people. Um, a lot of this chapter was spent just looking at the different ways that engagement plays out for people because everyone's engagement looks really different. Just going through the chapter and talking about it from my perspective now, I'm going to read chunks of it and reflect when it's helpful. As with all the other chapters, I'm going to put the text in the show notes, but I just thought there was some valuable insight in this chapter that I didn't want to gloss over. So here we go. Dating happened. You got through it and now you're engaged. Yes, but wait, when it comes to intimacy, engagement isn't actually that straightforward either. How do you prepare for sex when you know so little about it? Whether you have a short or a long engagement, this season of a relationship is often exciting, fun, and hard, and it could even be the first really challenging time a couple faces together. That was the case for us, in fact. Wedding details may be glaring at you, but there are other important things to tend to as well. Engagement is a period in your relationship where it will make sense to be constantly talking things through and checking in with your partner. And I obviously don't just mean the guest list and the gift registry. In all the mayhem of planning, please, please don't neglect to discuss your sex stuff. And I mean specifics, like Future husband, are we going to keep all our clothes on until we get married? Or do you consider oral sex real sex? And hey, we're almost to our wedding. How known and understood do you feel as a sexual person? I'm not here to tell you what your boundaries should be when it comes to sexual intimacy and your engagement. I am here to encourage you that it is worth talking about, worth thinking about, and worth praying about. While God gave us some clear tenets and wisdom about sexual interaction, they also gave us free will and some complicated examples of sexual unions, perhaps to expose the fact that the path of human sexuality does wander here and there as much as we'd like it to be simple and straight. So what complicated examples am I talking about? Well, let's talk about the various biblical heroes who slept with women who were not their wives and in many cases were the wives of other people. We also have the Song of Solomon, which is notably the most sexually charged book in the Bible and involves a couple that some experts say actually had premarital sex. When I first came across this idea in my research, I was disillusioned. I had been holding on to the idea of amazing sex after marriage in part because I thought that particular story in the Bible promised me that if I waited for marriage, I would have what they had in Song of Solomon. But whether or not the couple consummated their marriage before the ceremony or whether their betrothal made them in some form married when they had sex is not the point. 
The point of the story is that we have this amazing ability to appreciate and delight in each other in sexual ways. In speaking to women about their engagement and how they handled their sexual, the sexual pieces of that time, there were three main avenues women selected. The most common was to allow their sexual, sexual intimacy to grow as they got closer to the wedding, and almost all kept sex as the one thing they waited until the wedding for. One of my favorite stories came from Tabitha, whose entire sexual experience with her now husband was quite the adventure, even from the beginning. During all of their relationship, but especially during their engagement, Tabitha described moving towards sex in a gradual way, akin to wading slowly into the ocean, to get a feel for it, rather than jumping off a cliff or being shocked by the waves. For her, this approach was wonderful. They talked constantly about their sexual experiences together, about penises and orgasms and anything that came to mind right from the start. This communication led to a foundation of healthy emotional intimacy that allowed for their physical intimacy to proceed with absolutely no guilt. They would move on to new levels of sexual exploration, and if one of them felt uncomfortable there, they would rewind and talk about it. Tabitha had been raised in a very conservative Christian world and had experienced unwanted sexual attention in her younger years, so she was shocked by how free and positive her sexual exploring felt while approaching her marriage. It was the first time in her life that she hadn't been burdened by shame from what had happened to her in the past, and she learned a huge amount about healthy sexual expression in the months before their wedding. It certainly didn't hurt that she was able to experience orgasms while just making out with her partner. And because this is definitely one of the pinnacles of a woman's sexual experience, she felt like she was getting to enjoy the ideal sex life without even having sex. She and her future husband wanted to wait until marriage to have sex, and in their own way, they did. When the couple was just days away from their wedding ceremony, they decided to cross the threshold of intimacy and consummate their union and it wasn't their wedding night, but it was a private and beautiful space chosen only by them. Even though their wedding hadn't happened yet, it was obvious in Tabitha's telling that she and her husband had married each other, and the sex was part of that. This story struck me as so important because it underlines the reality of how our sexual journeys really do unfold in ways that we would never have expected, but ways that can be holy and honoring to God's mandate that sex be within marriage. Here were two people completely committed to each other and to their life together who had decided not to wait for the ceremony and the wedding cake. They became one flesh, having waited years to experience that with each other, and God blessed them with peace about the whole thing. While totally unconventional, Tabitha and her husband stepped into God's plan for sex, engaging in that intimacy that matched their emotional and spiritual intimacy. So I wanted to highlight this story in particular because honestly, I found it so fascinating. I remember as my friend was sharing her story, I was listening so intently. And meanwhile, I had this whole range of feelings bouncing around inside of me. Like I was shocked and I was also delighted for them. And I was a little bit judgy and I was a little bit jealous, honestly. And I can recognize now that at the time I was still super beholden to this idea that there is just one right way of being a Christian and going into marriage, and they strayed from that. 
But this story and other ideas and perspectives that I've listened to throughout the course of writing the book and now working on the podcast, um, just all of these different views of God and sex have really opened my eyes to the truth that each individual has to choose what's best for them. And I know this isn't a novel idea, but I think part of what's been hard for me to shed as I've grown as a person of faith is this idea that I have the right answers. And if they're right for me, they must be right for everyone else. I mean, I don't think I'm the only Christian that struggles with that. I think that's a problem in a lot of different areas of Christianity. So it's been really freeing to see and accept that people can take different routes in their faith and those different choices can include things surrounding sex and intimacy. So here are a couple of other stories from the chapter that I found really helpful. And another friend who had been raised really deeply ingrained in Christian culture was on staff for different ministries and had been really influenced by the couples in ministry um, as she grew up. When she finally got engaged in her late 20s, she and her partner set super firm boundaries, mostly because she had come into their relationship with this idea that any sexual intimacy before marriage was a very negative thing. But fortunately, her husband-to-be had a much more positive kind of mindset around intimacy. And though they did not do more than like touching of the boobs before marriage, he and she talked a ton about sexual intimacy as they approached their wedding. And that really gave her an on-ramp to like a, a happier entry into more sexual intimacy. So I thought that was cool that they had agreed on these boundaries. They stuck to them, but because of like a ton of conversation, they were able to, to sort of set the stage for themselves when they did finally get married. And then, whew, this was a chapter where I was able to share the story of a dear friend who was engaged and she and her partner were just a week away from their wedding when he showed up at her door with a suitcase and he said, I'm sorry, I can't marry you. I've been seeing someone else. And my friend is like one of the strongest, most just even keeled women you will ever meet in your life. But of course she was totally devastated and totally blown away by this revelation. But she told me that even in that moment of shock in her mind, the thought appeared, I'm so glad I didn't have sex with him. Like she said that for her, that was a totally affirming moment that the ideas that she had formed around God's plan for her marriage and God's plan for sex were really in line with waiting because she was just really thankful that that wasn't something she had shared with this person who was no longer going to become her husband. So, you know, it sounds like it was made for a movie, but it was a real thing that happened to my friend. So as the chapter went on, I really just kind of emphasized over and over, like seriously talk about it. Yes, sex is a fraught subject at times. It's definitely awkward a lot of the time. But whoever you're comfortable with, whoever's in your sphere that might be a resource, talk about it. Because if you don't, then things can pile up, confusion can grow, 
And if you do, there's the opportunity to continue learning or to start learning and, and to build that skill again, like we talked about in the last chapter. So one of the um, things that I loved, a friend shared that she and her fiance went on a road trip and they decided that they were going to use that time to really be intentional as they got ready for marriage to ask any questions that were out there that they, you know, were curious about. And my friend generously shared that like a lot of their questions had to do with the sex life that they envisioned for themselves. And I just thought this was brilliant. You know, they really opened that door. They gave themselves that opportunity in that space. And there was some kind of, it was a good setup. They were driving, so they had no real distractions, but they didn't have to necessarily be like staring into each other's eyes. They could look out the window and observe the scenery and uh, you know, it's sometimes easier for humans to discuss things that are that make us uncomfortable or that we're so unsure about. So some of the questions that they asked each other were, how often do you think you'll want to have sex per week? Or how should we handle it if one of us doesn't want to have sex? Who do you talk to if you have sex questions? What is your view on masturbation? How about pornography? Who do you think will want sex more in our relationship? Like all these questions they're great. We should all have those conversations with our partners. And I just thought it was really smart that these guys had that, you know, as they were approaching marriage. And then, um, this chapter kind of ended with some of my thoughts on why waiting really does have some benefits. And I'm just going to go ahead and read that section because I think it's still pretty solid. So here you go. One final word on engagement. Yes, it can be hard to hold off on sex when you're about to marry someone. But let me share a happy secret. The skills you practice in engagement can pay dividends later. If you're waiting for your wedding night to have sex, you and your fiance may be moving forward with physical intimacy by exploring each other's bodies, by spending hours making out, and by finding out what lights up your pleasure centers. While it may feel like punishment to not be able to have sex, and it can seem like everyone else gets to have sex, I'd really encourage you to see this time as a special sort of pre, pre-marriage invitation to understanding what delayed gratification is about. Holding back from sex, at least for my husband and I, led to experiences that were some of the most fun and steamiest because a lot of the heat in the sexual realm comes from anticipation. And these moments aren't wasted. They can teach lessons about delayed gratification that will seriously come in handy down the road. These experiences can build into foreplay and beyond. And the limit of no sex still leaves a lot of room for fun. And in some ways, you're at the perfect place to experience some of the highest highs of desire. Brain chemicals play a part in this. There are different hormones released when you're falling in love as compared to those that fill your brain when you're staying in love. And this is also helpful to understand when your passion and your draw to your spouse feels a lot different during marriage than it did during the season before you walked down the aisle. One pastor that I spoke to noted another concrete benefit of making it through your engagement without sex. 
during that period of time, your emotional, spiritual, and intellectual intimacy is growing. But at some point, you have to put the brakes on the physical intimacy if you've decided to wait. This feels unnatural and uncomfortable, but also allows you to experience a longing for your partner that can be pretty intense. This longing is something that may disappear once you're married because there will be no limits on how much you can be and do together. However, there will likely be other periods in your marriage where you will not be able to have sex. And remembering the longing you felt before marriage can make those times more bearable. Fidelity and shared experience are things that can help bind a couple together for the long haul. And having a shared engagement period where you both really wanted each other but didn't give in to temptation can be a good building block for the foundation of your marriage. It's healthy to be aroused by your partner and there is no shame in that. But being able to control yourself and make choices that are honoring to what you as a couple have decided and what you understand God's plan for you to be can play into the well-being of your marriage long-term. Pastor Jane Filkin also pointed out that having the memory of this longing can serve you when times get tough in your marriage, because there will almost certainly be times where you feel the opposite of the longing for your spouse. This is also normal and to be expected, but having the experience of that intense desire for a person who you maybe are not currently a big fan of can help get you back on track and remind you that there are things about your spouse that you do adore. So as your wedding day approaches, don't be surprised if engagement brings up all the feelings. You are approaching a big and beautiful, important transition. There will be layers of good, likely some hard and probably lots of stress, but ideally there will be more love going around than anything else. As you and your fiancé edge closer and closer to actually being married, I hope your preparation for that big move is multifaceted, community-supported, and peace-filled. Most couples that I've talked to hit serious bumps during their engagements because the reality of marriage is a weighty thing, and engagement can be a really healthy time to suss out any any outstanding issues or questions one of you may have. And if you're a woman with questions about sex, please, please try to find someone to talk with. There is info ahead in this podcast and book that will help, but nothing beats a face-to-face conversation with a loved one. I mean, maybe that face-to-face conversation will be more awkward and challenging, so maybe the book and the podcast are all you need. But if you can, if you are able to engage with someone at that level, do it. Because... Sex can feel like an awkward subject to broach, even if you're engaged, but you are about to dive into the deep end of the intimacy pool. Getting answers to your questions just might mean the difference between a happy first swim or a near drowning experience. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And please feel free to share the podcast with anybody who may be interested. As always, you can find the full chapter linked in the show notes. And I hope you are having a wonderful new year. I'm Jessie Freer-Walters, and this is Waiting for What?